We are starting a brand new series. It's our December. It's our Christmas series. I'm calling it Time for a Miracle. And uh, I think a lot of us, at least from what I can sense, I think a lot of us would be very, not just open for, to a miracle, but we really need one. Anybody here? Anybody? Just like, okay, we do. This is a time for that. It's the reason Jesus is the reason for the season and everything that he brought with us. And we are entering not only the Christmas season, but it's a season for miracles. Miracles at Christmas. And I think, I think most of our world would say this is a great, you know, we're, we're entering a season that, where miracles happen. I mean, even the Hallmark Channel, and I'm not in any way endorsing it. It's just an observation that somebody might have told me about. That at the end of every movie, there's somehow this miraculous ending and everything is all good. Anybody say amen? amen. It's not an amen thing. Anyways, <laughs> it's just an observation. And even if you don't really believe in miracles... You say, well, it's a magical time. That's how you explain it, right? It's a magical time of the year. There's just something about it. But really, if you look at the Christmas story, what actually happened, there was so, it really was a miracle. So many miracles happened on Christmas when Jesus was born. I just want to go through a couple of those. Uh, one of those, and it's not one we often think about, but if you, if you look at, if you, not if you, as you read the Bible, every one of you, you're almost done reading through the Bible in a year, right? Amen? That's an amen. Okay. All right. This much of your Bible is the Old Testament. Okay. There's 49 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. And so much of the Old Testament, you will find what we call prophecies about the future. A prophecy is a, is a, a God-inspired prediction of what's going to happen because God, it's a prophecy because God is in control of the future, right? He's the one who can make things happen so he knows, so he tells. And so out of that, th over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, over 300 of them were predicted, and they happened exactly the way they were prophesied. And of those, over 100, catch this, over 100 of those predictions were about the birth of Jesus. The who, the what, the where, the when, and all the dynamics. I mean, just think about that. Hundreds, even a couple thousand years before Jesus was ever born, prophets predicted what was going to happen, who was going to happen, where it was going to happen. Over a hundred of those. And every one of them, it was true. I mean, experts will tell us that the chances of even just one of those happening is like astronomical with like 17 zeros, one in however many that is. But to have that many happen and still happening today, that's a miracle. Then we have the angels. Okay, we have the angel. Remember, the angel showed up to Mary, said, Mary, you're going to have a child. It's going to be the Messiah. And then an angel showed up to Joseph when Joseph said, what? What's going on here? I don't know if I can deal with it. Yeah, you can. Take Mary to be your wife. And then tells Joseph to go to Egypt to get away from the persecution and the slaughtering of all the babies. An angel showed up to the shepherds and told them exactly 
where they could find Jesus. And guess what? He was exactly there. Then a whole bunch of angels showed up in, in the heavens singing and praising God. And then we have the star. We call it the star of Bethlehem. Now, scholars and experts and scientists are still trying to figure this one out. Because here we have wise men that came from the east, probably somewhere around Babylon, uh, modern-day Iraq, and they knew about it because Daniel and other people had been captive there. They knew the prophecies about a Messiah, the king of the Jews, so they see this star, and they, they actually follow the star. It's not like the star was just here and they went towards it. It tells us that the star went ahead of them. They followed it. It stopped over Jerusalem. They go and they ask, where's this king of the Jews? And they go, well, you might want to check out Bethlehem. And sure enough, the star goes to the south because all of us, Bethlehem is south of Jerusalem. So the star goes this way, makes a complete... Uh, 90 degree turn and the shepherds follow and what do they find it stops over the house where Jesus was living at the time that's pretty miraculous but I think one of the greatest ones of all the miracles of Christmas is we call it the incarnation of God where God incarnate he became one of us he became human form through his son Jesus Christ and he came to this earth why well first of all because he loves us and he came to save us that's just some of the miracles of Christmas and so we're looking at this not just the miracles that happen at Christmas but also the miracles that God is still doing today so my question for us every one of us in what area of life do you need God to do a miracle? What is a miracle? Well, definition would say this. It's an event that appears inexplicable by laws of nature and so held to be supernatural in origin or, here's what, here's what a dic- dictionary says, an act of God. That's a miracle. So where do you need one? Where, where do you need, what area of life do you need God to do something, to come through, to answer, to provide, whatever it is, that you can't do on your own and no one else is able to do? If it's going to happen, it's going to be God. Because God can still do miracles. We're going to talk about that today. You know, it, it, it might be, some examples might be your health. Maybe you're dealing with a health issue. The doctors can't figure it out. Medication, medicine can't figure it out. You've been trying to work at it, deal with it, and there seems to be no answer, there's no solution, and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to get healed of this, get through this. Maybe it's a marriage that you're struggling with, and there just doesn't seem to be any resolution, any reconciliation, any healing. And you're like, God, I don't know how we're going to figure this thing out. It looks like it's not going to work. But God said, I'm not done yet. Maybe it's a family member that has sort of gone wayward. They're, they're walking away from the family. Maybe they're walking away from God. And you're like, I, I don't know what to do. I've exhausted 
everything I can say, everything I can do, and it's, it seems like the more I try, the further away it gets. Maybe it's finances. Maybe you're just struggling so much, and it's been a long time. There's no, there, and you've tried everything. You've tried everything you know to do, and it just seems like at the end of every month, there's more bills than there are resources. And you look into the future, you look at Christmas, and you're going, I don't know what's going to happen. This mountain in front of you seems so big, there's no way over it, through it, or around it. Maybe, especially this time of the year, and the climate, the culture we're in right now, you're saying, you know, maybe emotionally, mentally, that's a really big thing right now. I, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I'm so struggling. I, just, I feel like I'm living in this dark hole. And when people say, look for the light at the end of the tunnel, I can't even find the tunnel right now. I don't know where to go or what to do. There's a lot of things that many of us are struggling with right now. And we're saying, I don't know what to do. I don't, I've tried everything and I can't do it on my own. God, I need your help on this one. Jeremiah 32 says it like this. It says, I am the Lord, the God of the peoples of the world. Is anything too hard for me? And God would ask you that this morning. Well, the answer, I think most of us would say no. There's nothing too hard for God. But at the same time, we realize it means that God does things that are not possible for us to do. Okay, that's the difference between us figuring things out and providing for ourselves and doing our own thing and God doing something. Because God is able to do things that you can't do. So the whole question today is, are you ready for God to do some of those things in your life? Do you believe that he can? He's done them in the past. He can do them today. He's actually working on those for tomorrow as well. So what are some of the common factors? These are sort of the themes. These are the themes of our messages. Even though, you know, there's times you may have experienced this. There's times when God does something. He surprises everybody. He surprises you. He does something in a way you didn't know he was going to do. And he just does his thing. And you go, wow, that was amazing. I was totally not expecting that. But then sometimes... God responds to us in our need of a miracle. What are some of those things? Well, the first one is that we need to believe that God can do miracles. We call that faith. Another one is we have to sometimes ask. Sometimes we need to ask God to do something for a miracle, and we do that through prayer. Sometimes... We need to prepare ourselves, our hearts, for God to do a miracle, just to be open. What, is it, what does it take sometimes for us? What, what kind of things do I need to change in my life for a miracle to even happen? Am I ready to do that? 
And then the last one, this is going to be on Christmas Eve. We're going to talk about how you need to be receiving a miracle. Are you open to receiving one? And we're, talking, we're going to talk about the greatest miracle that ever happened, and that is the gift of salvation. Receiving that gift can change your life. So, these aren't a magic formula, but we do know that God responds, according to Scripture, God responds to these things that we're going to talk about in this series. So, but it all starts with you believing. We call that faith. Faith is you believing. You, you know that you know that you know, even if it doesn't make sense. Even if there's no evidence that it's already beginning to happen. Even if, okay, you, you fill in the blank. You do believe. That's faith. Even sometimes when you have no, no reason to believe other than God can and God will. So let's dive right in. Okay, what does it take for me to experience and to believe for a miracle? Number one is I need to have the miracle working God on my mind. Okay, I need to have the miracle working God on my mind. So let me ask you this. How much is God on your mind throughout the day? You're just thinking about God. Is it like every once in a while something cool happens and go, oh, hey, God, thank you. Is it most of the time? Now, let's take it to the next level. Let's not just be thinking how much do I think about God, but how much are you thinking about the miracle-working God? There's a difference in your mind. Are you thinking about the fact that God's just a friend and he's with you, he's present? Oh, he, you're, he's always with me and he loves me. That's cool. Do that. But what about you take it to the level of saying, God, I know you love me, but I know that you can do everything. I know that you are a miracle-working God. And i am always got that on my mind. Because so much of what I believe comes from the way I think. My thinking, what's on my mind. And this is important because, here's the thing, if you have a miracle-working God on your mind all the time, constantly, then anything and everything that comes up, every difficult situation, every challenge, every conversation that comes up, your immediate thought is going to be, God, you got this. Every time. But if he's not on your mind, you're going to go, what are we going to do now? How's this going to work? God, are you here? There's a huge difference if you have him on your mind or not. Isaiah 26 says this, verse 3, You will keep in perfect peace all, everyone, who trusts in you and whose thoughts are fixed on you. You catch that? Our thoughts are fixed on God. He will keep us at perfect peace all the time. I mean, what peace and confidence is there in knowing and believing that God can do anything at any time? He can help me in everything that I go through and everything that I face. But you know the challenge is? 
It's not natural for us to do that. It's not natural for us to have this amazing, miracle-working God on our mind constantly. We have to purposefully, intentionally take control of our mind and tell our mind what it needs to think. And we need to intentionally do this. Philippians 4, verse 8 says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. In other words, Paul is saying to the church in Philippi, he says, all the things I've said in chapters 1, 2, and 3, and up to this point in chapter 4, of all the things I've said, I'm going to sort of wrap it up in this one very, very important thing. Sort of a summary. And he says this, fix your thoughts. Circle that in your notes there. Fix your thought. In other words, take control of what you think and fix them on what? On things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. In other words, we need to take control of what our mind dwells on. Now, I realize that we can't control everything that comes into our mind, right? I mean, we get weird. You get woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and there are some crazy thoughts coming into your brain. Anybody with me on that? Okay, our minds are going, and you're going, stop, get out of here. But we can't because we're trying to so hard to sleep. And anyway, it's a battle. And you can't help that. However, you can control what your mind stays focused on. You, matter of fact, Paul says in Corinthians one time, he says, you need to take captive, grab a hold of every thought and put it under the truth of God's word. Is this thought true? Is it helpful? Is it noble? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? Is it honorable? All these things. You can do that. The problem is so many of us, it's, it's such hard work. So our mind every day, all day long, our mind is just going, and all these thoughts come in and we're struggling with our thought life and all these crazy things going on. And before we know it, our life is a wreck. Why? Because we're not able to or were not taking control of those thoughts it has so much to do with the outcome of our lives when i was in college uh i i, I went to college 10 years after high school because uh, i didn't feel i had a need for it before that so i was went and get some ministry preparation went bible class things like that so my first day in college monday morning Nine o'clock, whatever it was, my very first class was philosophy class. Anybody ever take philosophy? Anyways, it's, um, I was all excited. I'm going to college, you know, kind of thing. So I walk into the class, and the teacher, he was great. But he, he every first class period of the semester of philosophy, I mean, he laid it on. I mean, I come out of that class, my head's spinning, I don't know which end is up, and I'm thinking, if college is anything like this class, I'm done. I cannot do this. Well, I go back the next time for class, and he says, okay, everybody, I just, I tried to scare you, but here, let's figure it out. And it became one of my favorite classes. I still, I'm still not figuring it out, but it still was fun. And uh, there, there's a famous philosopher, Descartes, and he had one of his famous sayings, uh, was cogito ergo sum, which basically means I think, 
therefore I am. Now, it's sort of true. I mean, there's a lot of extremes today to this. But in other words, what he's saying is, I tend to become and I tend to do the things that I am constantly thinking about. Whatever's on my mind drives me to action. And that's so true in our lives. And the Bible tells us that if we want our lives to be different, if we want to change, which is what God's constantly doing, then it starts with how we think. It starts in our mind. Matter of fact, Romans 12, 2, the next verse in your note says this. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you, make you a brand new person. Transform you into a new person by changing what? The way you think right up here. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is a good and pleasing and perfect will. This whole thing of think, we don't think, of, we don't think about our thinking, right? We just take it for granted. And, but in reality, because what we think about, how we think, what our mind is always dwelling on is so important that the moment you become a believer in Jesus Christ, it says in Acts that when you, when you repent you're, and you believe, you repent and are baptized, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what is that Holy Spirit doing? He is at work in your life right now. Every one of us here this morning, he's at work in you changing the way you think. About what? Everything. <laughs> about God, about life, about faith, about yourself, about others. He's changing everything in your life, and he knows it starts with how you think. And it's so important because we are in a world that is, strug that is fighting for your attention. It is fighting for the way you think because they know, the enemy knows, if he can control the way you think, he can control your life. That's why our mind needs to be constantly renewed. Here's a promise to help us to begin believing the awesomeness and the miracles of God. Ephesians 3.20, there in your notes, says this. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or what? Think. There's that word. In other words, I, I want you to notice a statement there. It says, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work where? Where's that power at work? It's in us. You think about all the awesome, amazing miracles, the parting of the Red Sea, you know, lightning from heaven, and all these other things that happen throughout the whole Bible. And you think, what awesome power God has to do all these really cool things. And God says, hey, it's the same power that I'm at, that's at work in you right now. You have that power in your life. Every one of you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, all of God's power is in you at work right now. The question is, are you cooperating with it? The Holy Spirit is the agent of that power. The Holy Spirit is the presence and the power of God in your life. And he's at work in you. Doing what? 
He's doing things that are way above your imagination and your thoughts. And even if you get to the point where your mind and your thoughts are awesome, and you're going, God, you're awesome. And you're thinking about God all the time. And, and, and you're thinking about all, your faith is huge. And you're thinking about all the great things that God can do and he's doing, he's going to do. You have this huge idea of what God's going to do. What does God say right here? He says, I can do infinitely, which is a lot, infinitely more than you can ask or what? Think. That's how big God is. That's what he does. He, he's so way beyond and ahead of anything that is even on our mind. So that's number one. Number two is I need to believe that God can do miracles today. Not just keep my mind on him, but he can do miracles right now. Today. For most of us, it's like, of course he can. Of course, I believe that. Yet in the back of our minds, sometimes we wonder, God, can you really do this? You know he can do those. But God, can you really handle my situation right now? Because we think, you know, God did some pretty amazing things. In Bible times, he did some incredible miracles. We read them about him in the Bible all the time. But I'm not sure if he can still do some of those things. I don't see a whole lot of that going on. I mean, we have so many advances in medicine today. Doctors are really, really good. Doctors and nurses and psychologists, psychiatrists. I mean, we, they can help us figure so many things out. And there's so much knowledge available to us today. And there's so much money. I mean, look at all the money we can spend in taking care of and working everything out. I mean, after all, years ago we sent people to the moon and we're trying to do it again. We don't need a lot of miracles. Somebody told me that one time years ago. They said, I think the reason we don't see many miracles is because we don't really need that many anymore. We've come a long way. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, that's probably why you haven't seen any is because you're not expecting them. And I'm sort of right. Look what Jesus faced. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus had gone to his hometown to visit and to do ministry there. And it says this in, start, in chapter 6, verse 4. It says, then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. Then it says this, And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and to heal them. And he was amazed at their what? Their unbelief. He's going, wow, you guys are a mess. There's two things, if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and which talks about the life of Jesus. There's two things it specifically says there that amaze Jesus. This is one of them. He was amazed at their lack of faith, their unbelief. You know what the other one was? He was amazed at their faith. So in other words, 
Jesus is amazed when you don't have much, and he's amazed when you got a lot. Way to go. And then in Matthew 17, verse 20, he says this. And this is the reason that we have to, that our belief is a big factor on God in Jesus doing miracles in our lives. He told his disciples one time, he said, you don't have enough faith. He says, I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed. Why a mustard seed? Because it's very, very tiny and it grows into a big tree. Great example. If you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Now, we know it's not you moving the mountain, right? <laughs> but we know it's your faith that moves God to move mountains. I'm not sure if it's literal yet. Haven't seen that one yet, but it's, a, it's an example of what God can do. And it's interesting because... This was a situation where the disciples had been on their own for a little while. It's like, Jesus, you can't leave them alone. But anyways, they did. And they tried to cast the demon out of, a, out of a guy. And it didn't work. And so they come running back to Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Why couldn't we, why couldn't we run, cast this demon out? You do it all the time. And we tried to do what you did. And, and he goes, oh, you guys don't have any faith, man. You don't have enough. But it's interesting because he said, you don't have enough. But then he goes on to say, you don't need a whole lot, just as much as a mustard seed. So obviously they had less than a mustard seed of faith if he, you know, if he reprimanded them for that. But here's the thing. In order for you to experience miracles from God, it requires some level of belief, of faith. According to Jesus, you don't need a lot. Even if it's just a little bit, and if you do believe, you may be struggling. Say, I just don't know if I believe enough. Jesus says, well, if you believe a little, that is, I'll respond to that. That'll be enough for now. But the more you use it, the more you see it, the more your faith will grow. At one point, the disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, increase our faith. And he says, okay, start using what you got. Just start using what little faith you have and see what I do as a result. So we know that faith and belief is a condition, one of the conditions that God says, look, if you have faith, then I will respond. Now, he, he doesn't always do it the way we want. He always doesn't do it in our timing, but God does respond to that. And then number three, third thing is I need to believe that God can do a miracle for me. I need to have my mind fixed on a miracle working God and I need to believe that God can do miracles now I also need to believe that he can do them for me you know we we say a lot of times I, I do I mean other people maybe you do too I love seeing miracles we had a story last weekend of somebody who had cancer and God healed them of cancer oh that is so awesome we love those stories and, and in our minds, we're going, I want to see more of that. I want to see miracles. I want to see all these things. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'd even like to see one in my life. But you know what our challenge is? The minute we say, I'd like to see a miracle in my life, you know what the next thought is? But who am I? <laughs> who am I to think 
that God would do something that amazing for me. I mean, little old me, little, I mean, God's got so many bigger things to take care of. I mean, look at the world. The world's a mess. He's got his hands full with the whole world right now. And he's got time to think about me. I want to tell you this morning, every one of you here right now, if God thought enough about planning your life ahead of time and putting you on this planet at the right place, at the right time, in the right moment, in the right situation, he knows exactly what you're going through right now. And he cares about you. His mind is always on you. Yes, little old you. He cares so much. And he's just, just like the father. You know that story of the prodigal son? The father just runs to the son and says, Son, welcome home. I've been waiting for you. You have a heavenly father who's just like, Come on. I want to help take care of anything you need. I want to do some amazing things in your life. Give me a chance. That's the kind of attitude God has towards us. And for some of you this morning, your thinking up to this point has been, I know he can, but probably not for me. So you've withheld. Why even bother asking? I mean, that seems a little presumptuous, right? Nah. No, God wants you to ask. We're going to talk about that next week. So the question is this for us, just sort of wrapping things up. Do you personally believe that not only can God do a miracle in your life, that he can help you in that overwhelming, impossible situation that you're dealing with? Not only can he, but does he want to and will he? He's Calling right now. <laughs> Saying yes, I got gotcha. you. He's ready, folks. God responds to your faith. He really does. It's important for you to believe with all your heart that not only can he, but he will, and he can do it right now. Here's a, here's a story in Matthew 9. Verse 29 and 30. It says this, Then Jesus touched their eyes, some blind men, and he said, Because you believe, I can make you see again. It will happen. Then the men were all able to see. Three words. Because you believe. Now, belief isn't a guarantee. I can't guarantee you just because you believe. It's not a name it, claim it thing. But God does respond to your belief. He responds to your faith. He responds to you having a desire and, and believing that he can do that. But there's another story about belief and persistence. Now, this story is interesting if you read the whole story. It's there in Matthew 15. But the, the story is this, and, and it's, a very, it's a challenge sometimes. for As you read this story, it's going to very much confuse you because our thinking of Jesus is, but Jesus, you love everybody, and you came to save everybody, and you came to heal everybody. Well, this woman comes up to Jesus one time and says, Teacher, Master, 
Would you heal my daughter? She's about to die. And Jesus looks at her and says, Lady, you're a Gentile, and I only came for the Jews. So no, I'm not going to do that. You're, you're a Gentile. I came for the Jews. And I'm thinking, Jesus, give her a break. So she's, there's this dialogue back and forth. She goes, I know, I know, I'm a Gentile, and I know in your, your eyes, in the Jews' eyes, I'm like a pig, and I'm not worth anything. And he's going back and forth, and she says, come, but Jesus, come on. I need your help. Look what he says in verse 28. He finally says, he's finally going, okay, whatever you want. In other words, dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great and your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. He came through. Here's what I want to say. Don't give up. You're going, I, I need that miracle. Matter of fact, I've needed that miracle for a long time. I've been praying. I've been hoping. I've been thinking. I've been talking. I've been desperate for a long time. Nothing seems to happen. And if the persistence of a Gentile woman can get Jesus to respond, the persistence of one of God's children can definitely get his attention. So don't give up. Keep believing. Keep praying. Keep asking. asking. Keep insisting. Now, it may not happen when you want it, when you need it, in the way you need it. I, I can't guarantee anything other than God will take care of it somehow. God is faithful. And he loves you. And he will respond to you. If you believe. But you know what? The greatest miracle of all miracles. You know, you may, you may need healing. God can heal you. You may need uh, provision. God can provide. You may need reconciliation in a relationship. He can provide that. You may need forgiveness. He'll forgive you. On and on. But the greatest thing that Jesus can do for you right now is to save your soul, to change your life, to make you a brand new person. That's where it starts. If you're in need of a miracle, if you need God to do something today, it's, if you haven't ever done that, that's where it starts. And once that happens, everything else God can take care of, no problem at all. He responds to you. So when you say, Jesus, I believe in you, would you come into my life? Would you save me? Would you forgive me? Would you make me a new person? I want to follow you. It's an instantaneous yes. Here you go. And then we go from there.